everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk. I'm Emily Nefis, the Connect Pastor here, and if you're new with us, I'm so glad that you've joined us. This morning, we get to start a new series, and it's called Revive, Metaphors for Life. Our very first metaphor is this metaphor of birth. How is the spiritual life like birth? I would love for you to just take a moment to grab a Bible if you didn't happen to bring yours. There are some Bibles in the back, so you're welcome to go grab one of those. And while you do that, I actually want us to start today with praying And especially to pray over this word birth. As soon as I said it, as soon as you saw it on the screen, we all have our own stuff around this word birth. So I want to pray over that first before we see what Jesus has to say about it. So let's close our eyes and take a moment. Holy Spirit, come. Fill this place. Jesus, I ask that you would meet us for a moment and extend your hands out to us and allow us just a moment to unload any baggage, good or bad, surrounding this idea of birth. Maybe it's pain from loss, pain from infertility. Maybe it was some traumatic birth experiences. Husbands, maybe it was watching your wives go through trauma. Whatever it is that surrounds this idea of birth, Jesus, would you take that and hold it? And give us the ability right now to just give you our burdens, even if it's not surrounding birth, any burdens that we feel heavy on our shoulders right now. Uh, We just give those to you right now, Jesus, and we want to allow you this space to hold them. Maybe we get them back later. Maybe you keep them. But for right now, would you hold them, Jesus, so that we can open our hearts and our minds fresh to hearing from the Bible? And I pray that you would inspire your word today. Amen. So open up with me to the book of John. Our metaphors for life for this next series are all going to come from the book of John. So you're open up with me to John chapter 3. As you're looking for that, I'll give you a little aside note. During our services for a while, we have been doing some spiritual disciplines. So we just did two minutes of silence in our service. And before that, we did communion for four weeks. This, during this series, we're doing the spiritual discipline of reading our Bibles. And to help you with that, if you would like, when you leave today, on the back of those tables and also on the table in the lobby, there are these little cards that you can actually put in the book of John, and it will help you each day to read a different passage from John and give you some reflection on that. So we're just encouraging you during this series to dig into the book of John. Those will also come to you on a text message if you opt into that, and you'll see that tomorrow morning. So John chapter 3. 
Before we read, let me give you just a small bit of background. We're jumping into this story of Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was a very high-level religious teacher in Judaism. He was very high. In fact, in some Bible translations, you'll see him as Jesus calling him, you are the teacher of the law. He was a top, top-level guy. And he struggles a bit here with the fact that he knows so much. You know, sometimes we can know so much, but we can't get it from here down to your heart. It's like, I've heard someone say it's the longest 12 inches, right? And, and this is where Nicodemus is at. He is so smart. And you know what else about Nicodemus? He has followed the Old Testament to a T, right? He memorized every law, every command, and he's followed them right? Like he probably actually has very little sin. That's not actually true. He sins, but he works really hard not to. So this is the place where this, this Nicodemus is at. And Jesus is going to, um, to speak to his heart. He's going to look at the depths of Nicodemus's heart and, and pull something out here. And it will connect to the birth metaphor. So let's read. We'll start at chapter two, verse 23. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we, we all know, do you hear the word know? It's up here in his head. We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Again, do you see his head? I see your miracles I know that God has sent you, right? But he can't move it down. Jesus replied. Here's Jesus is going to try to help him. He's going to try to help him get it from here to here. I tell you the truth. Nicodemus, listen to me. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Another way to, to translate this is, I tell you the truth, unless you are born from above, this word again has two meanings, and I think John used it on purpose. It, it's like a word play, again or from above. You cannot see with your eyes. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. All right, it's confusing. I know it's confusing. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Okay, again, Nicodemus is way up here. He's not even seeing that this is a metaphor. To him, it's, it's all up here. I, I can't go back and be born again. So Jesus, again, is trying to pull Nicodemus down. Jesus replies, I assure you, again, Nicodemus, listen to me. No one can enter, can't see it, you can't enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say 
You must be born again or born from above. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. He can't. He can't move from his head. Jesus replied, Nicodemus, you are a respected Jewish teacher, or you are the respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? He doesn't mean up here. He means here. I assure you, Nicodemus, look at me. Listen to me. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe. He means this. You won't believe. It hasn't hit your heart. You won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So a lot to unpack here, and I can't touch on it all today. If you're curious about that, just that part about lifting up the pole, that's from Numbers chapter 21, chapter 22. So if you want to read that on your own, it's a really great story. I can't dig into that much, but suffice it to say that God had told Moses they were being bitten by poisonous deadly snakes and told Moses to hold up this, um, what was it, a pole that looked like a serpent. Um, and to look at that, and then God would heal them. So um, you can dig into that story. I'm not going to stay on that. This idea of birth, this metaphor for spiritual life, Jesus is using it to try to get Nicodemus from here down to here. So some of the things that Nicodemus knew in his head, he actually probably would have had access to the entire Old Testament. He probably maybe memorize the majority of it. And so what Jesus is saying to him is, Nicodemus, I know you know this Old Testament, and I want to point you to a few passages that perhaps were on Jesus's mind, perhaps on Nicodemus's mind, um, where Jesus is saying, look, you've read it, and you know it, and listen to where you're not letting it sink in. So one of those places is Ezekiel chapter 36. You can go there with me if you want, or just listen. Here's what Nicodemus would have known. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away. This is God speaking. And you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. Not up here, here. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender responsive heart, and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Now, what this is saying, what Nicodemus missed is that he's trying to obey all the regulations of his own accord, of his own willpower, of his own mind. And even though he has read that a million times, he still does not realize and hasn't been able to open himself up to the spiritual world, to the spiritual ideas. And this is why Jesus is using the birth metaphor for Nicodemus. And I'll get into that in a second. Also, a quick touch on 
when I sprinkle clean water on you, you're gonna hear a lot of water references going on here. Even in the birth process, there's a lot of water. And John, as you read through it, does a lot with baptism. And so in your mind, you also would want to be thinking about John the Baptist is baptizing, Jesus will begin baptizing, and baptism is a part of this process. To be able, when you're baptized, what you're saying is, God, forgive me, I repent, I do have sin. And baptism is that symbol. And it's one of the first steps to this life of following and believing in Jesus. Okay, and then also in Nicodemus's mind, and perhaps Jesus's, I don't know for sure, but um, another connection is in Proverbs 30, says this, who but God, Nicodemus, who but God goes up to heaven and comes back down? That's what Jesus was saying. Only I have done that. Only I will do that and have done that, right? I came from heaven down to earth. Who, Nicodemus, holds the wind in his fists, right? This idea of wind and the spirit, not being able to see it, Nicodemus. You can't see it. You can't know it here, but you feel the wind. You feel the spirit. Who wraps up the oceans or the waters in his cloak? Who has created the whole world? What is his name? And his son's name is Jesus. Tell me if you know, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. So Nicodemus, in other words, knows all of these things, but he cannot seem to move it down. So Jesus uses a metaphor. He's very good at pictures and word stories and helping people to just get their minds wrapped around a new concept. So he uses birth. So I brought my baby, not my real baby. I, I have three children. Uh, Zach is 10, Maggie's eight, Luke is two, and this is Luke's baby. I asked him if I could borrow it, and actually Luke says yes to everything. So I had no fear of a no. Luke is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is baby Jordan, and he's just going to help us. Um, if nothing else, you might leave today and remember the baby and remember the birth metaphor, which I'm going to get into now. So with a baby and this birth process, there's a lot that we can pull from it. And actually, I'm looking at Maria. She's our resident OBGYN, and she has probably birthed thousands and thousands of babies. And like, feel free to jump up if you need to and be like, that is not what amniotic fluid is. Um, or whatever. I, she probably has many more metaphors than me. We're just going to do uh, three, actually. I'm going to make just three connections with the birth metaphor. The first one is dependence. When Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, I think the main message he's trying to say is, Nicodemus, stop using this. Believe in me here in your heart. Now, with a baby, complete total dependence throughout the entire birth process. So for example, in the very beginning, when, you, um, when a mother is pregnant, in this metaphor, let me think of Jesus as the mother and think of yourself as the baby. All right, so when the baby is in the womb, it is covered with an, a sack of amniotic fluid. This sack has many, many roles um, a few of them are for protection. Um, another one is to make sure the umbilical cord doesn't get crushed, and you need the umbilical cord to get oxygen to the baby and nutrients. So the sac is there. It's like this bag of waters, right? And it protects the baby. 
uh, and helps make sure that the baby is safe. Also keeps the baby warm, like helps regulate the body temperature and the baby kind of sucks it in and expels it. And that's what develops the lungs and allows the baby then to learn to breathe. And I'm sure it has many other roles, but just think of those. And as you're thinking of this baby, it's you, surrounded by this bag of protective waters, birth is a symbol of creation. So I want to take us back for just a moment to the beginning of creation. In Genesis 3, and I want think of the waters. Think of this water protecting you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So the Spirit of God was there at the beginning of creation, hovering over the waters. So as you're envisioning this birth metaphor, you have a baby, it's you, Surrounded by the sack of waters, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the mother. And in that state, the baby is completely dependent, completely dependent. In fact, the baby really has no control over the birth process. In the birth process, right, contractions come when they want to come. So my first baby did not want to come. And two weeks after the due date, he still did not want to come. And so he had to be forced. And he had no control over this, right? Except I really think he didn't want to come out. Um, He's still like kind of a hesitant kid. But the baby doesn't have control. All that it can do is nothing, nothing. It does not matter how smart baby Jordan is, right? Nicodemus was so smart. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what a wonderful person Nicodemus is. It doesn't matter how good he is, right? Nicodemus, it didn't matter how many good deeds he did. He does not have control over the destiny of his life, over his soul. It's Jesus. The way to eternal life is not knowledge. It is not I'm such a good person. It's not, I'm going to do so many good deeds. I'm going to get to heaven. The way to be born into the spiritual world, into eternal life, into heaven, is not in your control, right? And it's actually through the mother, right? Through Jesus. In addition, this baby in the in this metaphor, is dependent on other people as well. Now, you could birth a baby by yourself. That sounds terrifying. I've done it three times. If I was alone, uh, I wouldn't be here, right? Like, I needed doctors, and I needed midwives, and I needed help. Um, And in this birth process, right, you have doulas and husbands and friends who come alongside you, doctors and midwives and people that come. And when the baby comes out, he is welcomed into the arms of a nurse, perhaps, or your own arms as a mother. Somebody holds the baby, right? Somebody takes the baby in their arms. And as it grows, somebody feeds the baby, takes care of the baby. It cannot, cannot survive alone. You need community. So also in this birth metaphor, we are also in our spiritual lives dependent on community. Our life groups, our tripods, the people in this room, we need one another as we walk through the spiritual life. Dependence. 
in this metaphor also, we'll move from this idea of being dependent to Jesus in this, in this metaphor. So Jesus, the role of the mother, the mother, I'm hesitating to say, goes through tremendous pain because somehow some people like enjoy the birth process. It was so painful for me. And the most pain I've ever felt in my entire life. Jesus goes to the cross. He has his hands nailed. He has his feet nailed. He is whipped. He wears a crown of thorns. Tremendous, tremendous pain. Jesus goes through tremendous pain so that we can be born spiritually, so that we can go to heaven. Tremendous pain. Now, in the midst of tremendous pain, right, when the baby is born, the mother has incredible joy. It's like beyond the ability to understand. Like, I was in so much pain. And then when, when they came, it was like incredible joy fills that space. And I want you to know that Jesus, he did go through incredible pain for you. He would have done it again and again and again for you. And one drop of his blood is enough to cover all of your sin, all of your darkness. One drop of blood is enough to cover any reason why you might think you didn't deserve this. One drop of blood, same for a mother. Every ounce of pain is worth the tremendous joy of knowing that this baby is theirs. And Jesus feels that way about you. He would have gone through all that pain again to have the joy of knowing you will be with him in heaven. That moment when you realize, I want to follow Jesus. I think he's real. I think this is real. And I I want to follow Jesus. I want to take a step toward you. The moment that you do that, this incredible joy fills heaven. It even says the angels rejoice. There's singing over you when you decide, I I want this. I, I want to know that I'm going to heaven and I want to follow Jesus. Tremendous joy comes from that process. Another area to look at, so dependence and pain, but also change is a place that we we can find depth to this metaphor. The baby is changed. It goes from a place of being dependent on an umbilical cord um, to a place of living in a whole new world. So the baby is in a place of complete darkness and warmth and safety, and it enters into a world of light. And I I would be afraid, right? Most babies cry. I'm sure there's another reason why they cry, Maria, but I'd be scared too if I just left this great place, Um, but to a better place, to a place of life and love and light. There's change in the birth metaphor. And so in our story with Nicodemus, I think what Jesus wants to say is, Nicodemus, I I want you to move from here to here, and I want you to know that if you stay up here in your head, it's a place of darkness. And when you move to your heart, when you are able to see and believe in me and see the spiritual world, you will move to a place of light. That's what happens with a baby. So this entire birth metaphor, there are a lot of pieces to it, and I bet you can think of more. 
ways that Jesus would want to use this with Nicodemus. And I bet you can think of ways that he could use this birth metaphor to touch your heart as well. What I want us to do, or what I sense God would like to do with us, as I prayed over this time, I kept getting this picture in my mind. I don't know if it's God or not, but it's not harmful. And um, I think it's God, because I just kept seeing this picture over and over as I prayed for you all. I kept getting this picture of Jesus coming toward you with this little sack of gems. I know it's really small, sorry, but it's a sack of gems. And he just wanted to give you one. And it, it represented a truth of something. Like, so some area in your life where perhaps you've been believing a lie and Jesus just wants to say, no, here's the truth. And he wants you to just take it, put it in your pocket and store that truth. It could relate to this message, this birth metaphor. You could be believing something in regards to this. And Jesus just wants to say, here's what's true about it. So if you were Nicodemus, he might be saying, Nicodemus, it's more than knowledge. There's a spiritual world and you must be born again. Here's your gem. Think about it. Focus on it. Uh, might be something different for you. Uh, perhaps for you, it was that verse where it says, I'll actually go back to it so that I don't say it wrong. No one needed to tell Jesus about human nature because Jesus knew what was in each person's heart. Maybe that touched you in some way. Maybe you had some resistance, like, I don't want you to know what's in my heart, Jesus. It's ugly. And maybe the truth for you is, no, Jesus knows your heart, and he loves you. He is not a judge up there banging his gavel saying, bad heart. No, he loves you. The truth is, he loves you, and he loves your heart. Maybe it was something around this idea of dependence. Maybe you're really struggling, like, I can't depend on anyone else. Maybe you have a lot of self-reliance going on. Um, and Jesus wants to say, I, I want you to submit. I know that's really, it is really hard to submit and just say, I trust you. That's a really hard posture, but maybe that's what it is for you today. Maybe it's Jesus saying, hey, put your hands out. Trust me with whatever it is. Then maybe it's this idea of change in, in respect to perhaps you know someone, you have someone in your life, and none of us can judge anyone's heart. I will tell you that. You cannot say about anyone else, you're not going to heaven, right? My kids try to do that. I'm like, oh, stop judging. You don't know their heart. Um, like they'll come home and say, so-and-so is not going to heaven. They don't believe in Jesus. And I will say, well, you don't know their heart, right? You don't. So, but for some of you, you have people in your life and you, and you know, they could be walking toward Jesus and they are going the other way, right? And it's just like, oh, it's hard and you want them to change. But in, in this metaphor, remember, you can't force anything. You cannot force the baby to be born. But maybe you can use some Pitocin. All right. There's some things that can help. Like you can go talk to that person. You can give them a Bible, or you can do something nice and kind and, and work your way into their lives and speak to them, and you can tell them how Jesus has changed your life, right? That would be like the Pitocin. Um, you can do those things, of course, but ultimately, it is the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit will bring a person to spiritual birth. You can come alongside them, 
But what I wanted to say is you don't have control over anyone else's birth, right? And all my three kids came out differently. Zach, he cried, but he calmed down. Maggie screamed forever, and she would not stop crying until Frank sang Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star to her. And she still talks all the time. And Luke came out, and he didn't make a sound, and it was terrifying, right? Like, I did not think he was okay. And they had to help him breathe. And once they got him breathing, then he cried, right? But all that to say, you don't have control over any other person's story and how they come to the spiritual life. You can come alongside them. You can help them, of course. But you might just need to know the truth, that you just need to trust the Holy Spirit. Pray, pray, pray. Holy Spirit, convict them. Holy Spirit, fill them. And just pray, though. You don't have to force it, and you don't have to feel the heaviness, right? It's not all of your fault or any of that. So that was a lot of information. I went a lot of different places. So what I want us to do is to try to pull this together and see if the Holy Spirit just wants to reveal to you, maybe Jesus wants to speak to you, and just give you a little gem of truth for you to hold on to, stick in your pocket, take it with you today. So in order to do that, I'm going to give you some silence. Uh, The worship team can go ahead and head up, take your time um, as we're doing the silent time, and then we will enter into a time of worship. So go ahead and close your eyes with me, and I'll walk you through this process. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Jesus, I pray right now that you would give us a picture of you walking toward us, holding a little bag of gems. I pray that you, Jesus, would take out a gem and that in this moment of silence, Holy Spirit, would you just reveal the truth that we need to know right now? And Jesus, I pray you would repeat it again. Tell us again, what is true? What do we need to hold on to? What would you like to say to us? Would you repeat it, please? Now imagine yourself taking the gem from Jesus and sticking it into your pocket. And anytime you need, you can reach in, you can hold the gem, and you can remind yourself whatever it is that Jesus wants you to know, whatever he wants you to hold on to. And so I pray now, God, for more of your spirit to fill this room and more of your spirit to rest on our shoulders. Holy Spirit, would you lift any burdens Would you surround us, Holy Spirit, like the waters? Would you surround us with your love, with your protection, with your truth? And as we worship, I just pray that you would continue speaking to us. Allow us, God, to enter in to this 
spiritual place where you are. So would you mold our hearts, soften our minds, and as we sing and as we worship, may our hearts beat for you alone, Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.